Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are here to enhance your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, I am curious. Have you ever been in one of those conversations where you're talking to a guy and he's just like, don't you hate it that your Starbucks venti latte does not fit in your Ferrari's cup holders? And you're just like, did you tell me that story to say you've got a Ferrari or that you've gone to Starbucks? What does it do? Have you ever had that before? I've definitely had people do flex stories. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm ecstatic, right? Because we are literally going to finish this podcast and go away for a four-day week, boys weekend, to go and play golf down on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. But the most important part, Charlie, is that we get to review the emails that we write for this podcast. And so if anyone else is listening to this and going, damn, I actually really want to consume the newsletter that you guys release every single time you release a podcast, I got something for you. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, and we will tell you every single time we release a podcast. I'll tell you what, Grant, the weather's looking a bit cloudy for our long weekend away. It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? (laughs) Maybe we'll have to spend some uh, extra time at the golf resort. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, four days of golf? (laughs) Planning? Strategy? Oh, my gosh. You know what? If you have, have subscribed to the newsletter and you want to be part of one of these, feel free to reply to Charlie and just spam him until we let guests in. Just saying. Now, before we continue turning this knife, Charlie, let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant. Hilarious intro. Do you know, I remember uh, I was once watching a Robert Kiyosaki video and he said, you get a choice. Yeah, rich people problems or poor people problems. Which one are you going to pick? And I remember sitting there going, I want rich people problems, Robert. <laughs> it sounded funner. Like- <laughs> yeah. Damn, this cloudy day as I'm about to head down to the golf resort. Damn it, Grant. Have you actually have you known a guy who's got owns like a Lamborghini and it rains? He's like, I can't take the Lamborghini out. It's raining. I'm like, why? It's like, well, I have to clean it then. Like, it's going to get dirty. And I'm like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> There are legitimately rich people problems. And for everyone who listens to this podcast, I hope you get the opportunity to experience them and are totally. grateful for them. Totally. I really do. I absolutely do. Um, thinking of like even buying an investment property, have you had challenges buying an investment property grant? Calling the bank to move $100,000 from one bank account to another bank account, Charlie. It's horrific. It's terrible. Dealing with a conveyancer as you try and settle a million-dollar property for your net worth. Like it, there are challenges that come with it. Totally. It's an interesting topic though because I feel many of us who get to a place where I'll say there's some success in our lives, expressing challenges with those problems uh, is often expressing an ungratefulness for what we have and can come across as like, you know, being an asshole or arrogant. But I, I truly do. I want everyone who listens to this pod to get the opportunity to uh, have rich people problems. And, and message Charlie, reply to the email and just tell him your latest rich person problem. Absolutely send them to me. I'd love to get them. <laughs> I think that'd be awesome. Or the ones that you're looking forward to, if you don't have them, the ones you're looking forward to. I'm a little bit annoyed. I want to buy another car, but I don't have anywhere to store it at this house, Grant. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, jumping into today's topic. I I feel like this is a really good topic. I want to talk about time management, Grant. I think this is one of the most important skill sets 
and disciplines that a business owner needs to build and could be the difference in success and fail. Failure, I should say. How do you feel about that statement? Agreed. Time management, yeah. There's so many layers to it though, but yes, I agree, concur. Do you actually know any business owners that aren't perceivably, I will say, busy or loaded? I do actually know any. Minimal. I know a couple of people, but they're more, they've done the thing and they're living off the proceeds. Like, no. Yeah, late stages. We'll exclude them. So so let's say you've accomplished a massive amount of things and you're in your like uh, semi-retirement phase. I've seen some guys that probably have a looser calendar. Yeah. But in general, I would say the majority of business owners I know, their time is just so crunched. Their calendars are crunched. Like it's a continual battle to deal with time. Totally. Like it really is. Now- I think one of the like foundational reasons for this is when we're growing up, like what gets wired into this is like more time and running how running harder gets the output. Yeah. So if you have to move like a pile of bricks, right, from one location to another, if you just like run hard, you know, try and be more efficient, do it for more hours, like you get an enhanced result. And then people take that with them into business where they go, well, if I just do more hours and kind of push harder and go fast double, I'm gonna get more done and that's gonna lead to a better place. But I, I think that's a huge myth. I've, I really do. I actually think that's the exact recipe to get burnt out and become less effective, right? And this is like foundationally where I think a lot of people go wrong. Like maybe those pile of bricks didn't get need to get moved at all. Totally. Did, I don't remember what book it was in and there was a fable about like there was a town that needed water from the river and they sent two guys to go and solve the problem. And one guy just went and grabbed two buckets and started like hauling the water up. And then the other one just like disappeared for like a year or two. And the other guy, when he came back, he built an irrigation to actually connect the town to the water and then made the other guy completely obsolete. And so what he tried to do was carry twice the amount of water and do all these things until he just burned out and he just couldn't continue it anymore. And I think of it like that, of going in the short term, it might be sucky. It might not reap the rewards because that guy disappeared in that story for a year to go and learn how to go and build irrigation, get the money together to go and do it and all those kind of things. But in actual fact, he just made everything else completely obsolete by doing that one swing of the bat. I love that fable so much, by the way. So um, I just want to imagine something right now because I I think this does come back to wiring, right? So if those two guys were standing there and they were said, uh, hey, can you help our town with water? One of those guys made a decision, I'll get buckets. Like exactly. his wiring went off and that was there. The other guy went, I'm going to build a pump station and an irrigation system to make that so. Yep. Like that was his wiring. So if I, if I look at you right now, Grant, and I say like, Grant, make me a logo, right? What, did your mind fire in the idea like you're maybe opening Canva and making a logo yourself? Or did you go, hey, wait, no, there's someone on my team that can do that. I'm going to ping them on Slack and go, make Charlie a logo, damn it. Oh, wasn't even going to do that. I'd be like, Charlie, just ping me. <laughs> yeah, so you were even going to outsource tasking I was going to get you to do the thing. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like if your wiring is set up where you're tr- whenever you try to strive and achieve more, right, and the wiring in you is that I'm going to grab those buckets and run harder, then fundamentally you've got a huge business. You're just going to continually rub up the limit of time. Like the great equaliser. I I love it so much. Like it it is the purest game and sport that exists in business. Time management, we all get the same. Humbling, so humbling. There's probably someone out there that has some sort of sleep disorder where they sleep like 12 hours a day. It's like I don't get the same time as you guys. So (laughs) we'll take that person out. (laughs) But in general. I feel, yes. 
Agreed. All right. Do you, do you feel there's any other like major things that just, uh, I suppose, like common ideas of time management that are perceivably things people do but just don't work? Okay. I'll, I'll start off with this one, the hustle harder. Like, dude, you know how many co-working spaces and service offices in Melbourne I have walked into and it's got like a neon sign, hustle harder, grind. We're here to grind. Like, And I'm like, really? It's like business owners, like, are you sure that we should actually be grinding this hard? I actually, I think it's, I think it's actually puts people into a false fallacy. And um, I know we don't like to shit on Gary Vee, but I think he, um, the downside is that he's overpopularized the need to hustle at some point, but then moving from that and actually going, maybe you should spend some time thinking about the most important point. Maybe you should think about how to get better leverage. Maybe you should think about everything else as opposed to just doing the thing and pinging people and doing all that. I think this drills into the point further is like it's a badge of honour. It Totally. If, totally. if you're at the co-working and like, you know, you're there early putting in the hours, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm doing the hard work. You know, like it's almost like celebrated in the culture of business owners um, in general. Like it's a badge of honour. You get praise for it. Other people around you go, you working hard. It's nice to see you putting in. And your wife at home celebrates it. My, oh, my husband's out there building his business. <laughs> Mine definitely doesn't. No, <laughs> she didn't celebrate <laughs> that at all. But maybe some of the maybe wives out them. there would. Totally. So but it's, dis- it's disjointed. Like the amount of time you actually spend working on your business and the money you make aren't connected. Not, not at all. I, I still remember I was doing 80, 100-hour weeks. Um, it was before I turned 30. And I was speaking at uh, an SEO seminar and I was talking about people and how they can actually manage time better. And uh, it was about entrepreneurship as well. And uh, I remember a year later, me looking back at those times and I'm like, what was I doing? And literally, I was just executing anything that walked, like anything that walked, I had executed, I had a team of like 20 people, Charlie. And I'm like, if at that time I just took 10 of those 100 hours or eight of those 80 hours and put them towards like thinking about what I'm actually working on or evaluating if I needed to do everything, because I'm sure there were some of those things that got done that had zero value to that business. I'm like, and so when I think through this, I'm like this idea of hustle, yes, there is a component of it, but there's a percentage of what you need to do, which is stop, evaluate, think, strategize, and just like get off the tools. And that is the actual value that business owners need to put back into their business as opposed to just burning through a to-do list. So another one I've seen. I wonder how you feel about this one. I think many business owners out there are actually incredibly challenged by giving up control of things and also have poor management skills. So when they bring team on to help them, what they end up doing is like, kind of micromanaging them and then kind of making sure that they don't give them the ability to be responsible for things. And that just ends up a time suck as well. So they end up like they're almost like checking in with each employee every day, like everything has to go through them to be complete and like it just ends up a huge time suck. Yeah. I was um, – I had a third one to pivot on this one. And this one's deep, so bear with me on this one. Lay it down. What if – and and I say this as a what if when in actual fact this is my – personal feeling so i'm trying not to like <laughs> walk all over myself so i keep smiling um what if a lot of business owners like the idea of execution because they're worried that if they actually focused on something better like building partnerships selling more bringing more clients on etc it's going to create work which actually might find out that they can't do the thing they're trying to sell we are going deep because <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna put it out there fundamentally i think 
time management comes back to your wiring and beliefs. I really do. Yeah. And you just hit on this point again, and we've already touched on it a few other times here, where it's like in the example uh, you've just mentioned, if you don't believe your staff can do the job without you, well, then you're going to get involved. If you believe they can do it better than you, you're not going to get involved. So your belief matters there. But to go further than that, if you don't believe you can create highly fruitful partnerships, well, then you're not going to do it. If you don't believe you can go out there and sell or market your business better, you're not going to do it. So this whole belief paradox becomes into it. Yep. And if you believe that the only way your business can be better is if you put in more hours, well, guess what you're going to do? Put in more hours. Even, well, I, even one step further, like if you believe, like if you have no belief that the product or service that you're selling will actually provide the solution to the problem that someone's paying you for, then you're never going to sell it, <laughs> which means it's actually better to not put it out there and just to tweak tweak the product, Charlie, perfect it <laughs> because then no one has to shit on it. No one has to tell you, hey, I didn't actually get what I'm paying you for. Huge, absolutely huge. I, I want to use an example here because I find this one really interesting. It's actually getting into property investing that's like completely shifted my view on like money and time being connected. So yes, I did have to work in an active business to get into property investing. I don't want to dispel that. But the reality is, is that I'm not the amount of time I put in property doesn't correlate at all to the returns I get from it. It's mm. heavily disjointed. And I think once someone has an experience, and whether that's through property or shares or through uh, being leveraged in a business where their time isn't connected to it, as soon as the mental cognition kicks in that it's not the amount of hours I work that make the difference on the outputs I get in my life, that's the point in which I think you can actually create a really powerful time management system for yourself. I concur, completely concur. Yeah, so foundationally, I think that's where it needs to start from. I really do. I think it's a huge point. And then to go further into this, and I would love for us to spend some time on what we actually do to manage our time in this episode today, but to take this into another level is like I think time management and energy management need to really come into this. So – for, for example, Grant, when we do this podcast, I could do this podcast like all day, every day and like love it and my energy is high and like I actually lose track of time, which is often why we don't record as many episodes <laughs> as we should because we record too long when we're meant to record two and then it's just like the conversation carries. Yeah, throwing shots. Yeah, I was going to say thanks, Charlie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and but in other times, like I've heard a commonly about this one, like for some people is like if they have too many like Zoom calls in a day, Right, or too many meetings, it's particularly taxing on them yep. for some people. And I know some people that have like, um, uh, what would you call it? Like they manage Facebook groups and like getting back to the comments and things like that, which can be a huge task, like drains them as well. Now, it's not for me to decide what lights you up or doesn't light you up, but to throw another layer into this is like if you're loading your weeks with things that drain you, even if they pay you well, then the reality is, is you're going to have less overall energy to be productive in the day as well. And I think this is actually one of the things that kills productivity. So the way you might be managing your time right now is the idea of like, well, how can I make the most money? I'm going to load up the most high value tasks. But if they drain you of energy, then overall you end up working less hours or just becoming like less effective in the hours you work, which reduces output as well. Completely. So the idea of like, I think that becomes severely important when people are looking at how they manage their time as well. I don't think enough thought is put behind that energy management and enjoyment. And I'll put, I'll put a third layer on top of it. I'll call it decision fatigue, right? Because I think that I think 
business owners, you're going to have to do something that you don't enjoy, right? Like you can't just no, you don't say that, Grant. We've got to paint a bit different picture. Yeah, you can't just get everyone to go do the thing. And so, like when you when at least for myself, when I wake up, right, I have 100% energy. Assuming that I slept well, but we'll go with that. 100% energy. I've got 100% availability to make decisions, and I have 100% of the, whatever my day is available. Now, if I go and put all of my energy at maybe I just want to work out but the priority should actually be punching the business. Maybe that's the wrong spot for me to put the energy at that time. But also if I go and put all my energy in making decisions on what my renovated kitchen is going to look like in the morning, then I'm going to deplete that 100% decision-making as well as the energy so that when I actually get into the business, <laughs> it's like, hey, should we recruit somebody? Should we um, sort of put in a new product? Should we do a new service? I've got no decision availability for that day left. All right, hold up there, hold up there. So Alex Harmozy famously, and I'll say semi-famously, although they've seen this video a lot, describes the idea of like you shouldn't have a morning routine. You just get up and get to work so that you get straight into it. Um, other people I know who have also been incredibly successful think that morning routine and focus is the absolute pinnacle of like, you know, you want to do your meditation or workout or journaling or set up your to-do list or whatever it is, but like there's a whole routine that happens before you actually get to doing business. Which camp are you in? I'm definitely in the routine, build a routine. And <laughs> I love hormones. He just slays the sacred cows just for content. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's fantastic, but I, I completely disagree. And maybe if you're worth, what what is he worth? A couple hundred million and he doesn't really have any direct reports going into him and he's got all these people. Sure, if you're in that little world, maybe it'll work for you. So I, maybe it's true for him, but when you're a business owner, you've got people reporting to and you need to push the thing. Yeah, having some routine to fall back on really helps on a whole heap of different levels. First one, especially for myself. I was going to say, bring it into the context of you like because I think personal experience is everything here. Totally. So the first part for myself is I. it's a default programming. So I have a morning routine, which I'll get to in a second. But whenever I go on holidays, Charlie, you have a weekend away like we're about to. You do these things where you don't execute your morning routine. You have the routine to fall back on, which gets you back in and prep. Hold up. I was planning on doing my morning oh, yeah, routine probably, while we were away. I'm actually bringing a kettlebell with us just so I can do my workout. Anyway, continue. We, yeah, totally. But we are, we are weird in that way. But people, normal people will go away and come back. And then so – but the morning routine – ensures that you execute the most important things throughout the day. And so what I do agree with on Hormozy's side is like he doesn't have meetings up until like 11 o'clock in the morning and I think that's fantastic. Like if you can block out a huge part of your time to actually do work, brilliant. So then for me, Charlie, I'll walk you through what I do. So wake up in the morning, I'll go and smash a liter and a half of water and have my vitamins and do all that kind of stuff. I won't have caffeine. I'll do yoga with some meditation. And I'll go and try and get my body moving, whether that's a walk, whether that's kettlebell swings, uh, just literally just trying to limber up everything. And then I go straight into um, I'll ping the straight into like pinging the team. And so I've got a whole bunch of direct reports to me. I'll go and ping them all with all the things that I need, just to make sure they're completely unblocked. And then I will schedule my calendar to make sure that day is perfect. So they, this is when I look at my calendar and go, I don't need to do that. Delegate it to someone else, or that's not important. Cancel that meeting, etc. Straight after that. I'll dive into doing like a critical thinking. So I'll, I'll do a thinking time, which might be 30 minutes or an hour, depending on whatever it is. And then I'll usually jump into doing some kind of like learning or a bigger task. So if I've got like a really important thing to do, I'll do that. Or if I'm trying to change myself, I'll go and dive into some kind of edu education before I grab a coffee and then jump in front of my computer. 
Right. So it sounds to me that you're actually using structure to manage your time, right? So you've got these blocks throughout the day and you found that to be a repeatable system that gets you into a flow where you can be effective. Completely. Completely. Okay. All right, I'll share, I'll share mine because I've got some interesting things. Now, I actually, as a side note, I tried Alex's routine. So I'm open-minded. I don't want to be uh, fixed. He made some good points about for if you get up and just get to work, you should get more done. My experience with that, however, was that because I wasn't preparing myself as well for work with having uh, my morning routine, I wasn't as effective. So it was quite interesting in that light for me that it didn't work. And again, if it's working for Alex, go for it. If it totally. works for other people, maybe give it a go. It might be the perfect thing for you. Uh, much to myself though, this is what I, I found really interesting is that if you have a strong morning routine, definitely more effective coming into the day and that's the productivity gain I'm looking for time management. I want to be really effective so that if I can get all things done by 12, there is more time in the day where if I lose that effectiveness and I've got to work till three or four in that example, then I've lost the other time for things. Yep. So effectiveness is really important to me when it comes to time management, also energy management. So um, <clears throat> much to the point, and I'll throw in one more point here, I found getting up earlier works for me as well. That's just one other thing I'll say, like timing this routine, very different. If I started this routine at midday, wouldn't work. What time but if I up? started – I've actually gone earlier in recent times. I've been experimenting with 4.45 as the get-up. You talk, you're talking to a guy that used to wake up a lot at 4.15. <laughs> Might be a bit extreme. And do you want to know why it's 4.45 specifically? Because you can have a coffee before 5 o'clock kicks in and then your routine starts at 5. It is. When I woke up at 5, I was like losing part of the hour. I'm like, where's this time going? Like, what am I actually doing? Dude, there's, some, there's something <laughs> to it as well. Like I literally wake up at 4.50 because I have my vitamins and stuff before the first block. Like, so because it takes Protein. 10 minutes, it's a flow in. But it's, I also just want to, before you continue on yours, one of the interesting things that I've always found fascinating was the military and they made everybody make their beds perfectly before they start their day because it sets the cadence for the day, it sets the rhythm of what they're doing. And so if you have the ability to execute something that you know what success looks like and you just go, I just need to do the thing, you've already got these like mini wins as you progress. And I think those mini wins then just roll off into the rest of the morning, rest of the day, et cetera. Can't argue with the army challenge. No, I can argue with your interpretation of what that means, though. The, so, I, do they are, get them they? to make their bed? Yes. Your conclusion to why that's effective? Maybe not. Maybe. So, I'll put my view on that. <laughs> okay, good. I will. That's what we're here for. And this is something I've been working with a guy called Jamin Fraser on as well. Right. I'm not going to pretend this is my material or claim it. This was uh, his. So, very transparently there. I think it's about state management. I think when you get up, like, have you ever had this, right? So you go to the gym and you just don't feel like it. Right? It's like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to do this. And then you get three exercises in. You're like, I feel great. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So your state changes, right? Doing the activity puts you into the state to succeed at that activity. Right. So as a business owner, when you get up and have a routine, what I think it's really great for is putting you into the state. So if you follow that and wire that in, you can rock up to business as the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that was what was missing for me with going with Alex's routine is I was there, but it was like, you know, I was like a couple of hours into it before I like really kicked in. Where's the state? Yeah, got it. Yeah, where when I've had a strong morning routine is like I'm entering business in the state I want to be in. So, and again, it's like it's a much more effective state for me. 
So I'm getting up early, as I've mentioned. I'm a morning person. You might be a night. That's okay too. Um, I get up there and the first thing I actually do is have a coffee and read for 30 minutes. Now, why do I do that first? I found that to be my retention is ridiculously high. And many people have quoted on my retention of books and uh, being able to draw back on them as being high and that I've got a good memory. I, I don't actually think I do. I believe it's because I do it in that moment when my retention is high. I know it's high. Uh, I actually spend the next 30 minutes doing Keith Cunningham's thinking time. I do it every day. So I have found that intentionally spending time to think about the problems that are in my life, about things I'm trying to solve, how I'm going to use my day, right? Incredibly powerful is the second block. So I get it all set up and I know what's on the calendar. I've thought through solutions. Like this is sharpening the axe before I get into that day. I then go uh, to my gym, like I've got a home gym, which I uh, found to be really effective as well for just from like having time, not having to go to a gym and come back and all the things that come with it. I do a 30-minute workout, but it's funny because I've just spent the thinking time. Do you know what I'm doing when I'm in the thinking time? Just processing. Yeah. When you're processing in the gym, you're processing the thinking time. Yeah. Absolutely. Come back in, cold shower, and then I get after it. Yep. And it's like I have found that to be incredibly effective really, really effective. And um, I like that as a setup to how I manage my time. So it's interesting that we've kind of danced between the idea of like time management and then we're in like routines and rituals. But I just feel like it is such a critical part of the conversation when it comes to time management. Because if you do that, I would would put it to someone as if you nail a really good, strong morning routine and then you launch into your day with that, you're going to light the world on fire where you probably don't need to work as much as you probably have. And you- I think you, you'll come to that realization as well because especially you and I have referred to moving the body at different stages. The reason I have to move my body super early is because I don't have the caffeine in my system like you do. <laughs> I was just like, like, maybe I could do that. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. No, I don't have a coffee. Well, do you know what? Like, Decaf. I'm actually like reducing the caffeine after the speaking really? with James. Like I'm really trying to wean it in. I have got it down substantially. I'm drinking less coffee and decaf. Amazing. Um, There's two other points on this I really want to bring in. It's kind of one point but not. Intermittent fasting has been the idea of like I don't eat in the mornings either and I've found that to increase energy in a big way where I've been way more productive in the mornings. So adding that into the uh, scenario here is just making you can see that this morning block of time is not equal now. Like I've supercharged and effective where I'm in this really good performance and flow and like things get done well. I mean, the other one you mentioned, like uh, we noticed as well, is like often I've been eat, I'll eat lunch and then go into this lazy mode, where we we have a running joke. We call them fat walks for anyone playing along at home. It was funny. I talk to other people as if it's like common knowledge, and they're like, they're like, "What are you doing? I'm like, just out on a fat walk." And like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I feel you. So for anyone playing along at home, if you go for a fifteen to twenty minute walk after eating your lunch you don't get the down of the, like, you know, getting sleepy after eating food. Totally. Co- a complete game changer. It's you. I would, again, make the argument that you will save 15 to 20 minutes in the afternoon if you do that. Yeah. So you get all this afternoon energy spurt as well. So I, I feel like that's a critical part of this, like, time management conversation. That energy management is such a critical part of it. Because to use that example, is like the second you eat, you're trying to build your energy back up, but your body needs time to like digest the food. 
I was like, well, what's the best thing you could do to help it? It's actually going for a walk as opposed to sit in front of the computer and just slouch over and just It's something to do with blood sugar. It's yeah. if you as you eat, the blood sugar goes up, then you get the, the crash at the end, and that's the the lazies where a walk smooths out that. And it's a great be, thing to do. Let's put it out there. Yeah, huge one. All right, I got some more points. So the next one I want to go around here, and I know this is something you've been experimenting or looking with as well, is like the idea of like buying back time as well and this isn't just in business this comes into like personal lives as well and if we're thinking about time management here it's like time is time if you if you have to at the end of the day of doing business then have to clean your house and cook your food that's time you're spending where you could potentially outsource that in general how have you approached this grant buying back time has been <clears throat> recently i've approached it where it's like it doesn't matter like whatever i can buy back i'll buy back i'm in this very fortunate position where like I don't have kids and which means it's not that much cleaning up Charlie <laughs> which means like I get all this other stuff so I'm like cool Hazel cooks Hazel does quite a bit of the cleaning I'll try and help out the cleaning but one of the things that I really want to do to help her buy back her time plus me buy back my time is and we've been backwards and forwards on it is this concept of a, an actual personal assistant not like a virtual assistant or someone just sort of floating around but actually someone to go and take those sort of smaller things out of your life and go and help with it. And so I was talking to Hazel about this recently around like we're going to the Philippines and she's like looking at flights, she's looking at hotels and all these things that are just chewing up her night. Like, what if there was just someone just to send that to? Get them to do it so you can do other things. What about someone that I can just go, hey, can you book a meeting in with these people and they can go and do the thing? And this is all about that premise of going, well, how do I actually just buy my time back? So these little finite things that are just on the to-do list that you just need to do, I'm like someone else can go and manage that. And so that's like one of the things that's next on my to-do list on like how am I going to help buy more time back myself as opposed to just trying to do it throughout the day instead of just business-related as well. I think we should try it and test it. I haven't never had a personal assistant on that level. I've, I've never had one. I've always gone with the bias of like, for example, meal delivery. When when Jack was first born, our time was crunched. So the idea being that we would like, we would get meals delivered to us so we didn't have to cook. Incredibly helpful. We gained that time back. We, we got a cleaner um, who's awesome and we still have. And like that got us a little bit of time out. So I think like the home chores for me, we just completely outsourced. Yeah. The one that's changed though is I noticed that cooking actually brings me joy. And for anyone who follows me on Instagram, you know what's up. Um, <laughs> but the thing I would say is that um, I noticed that on the days where I got to cook dinner and have a beautiful meal where it was bringing my family together, I get some music going in the kitchen, maybe a glass of wine. Not too much though because the meal will turn out badly. Uh, <laughs> save, that, we'll save that story for another time. But I found that as a, like a really good thing that actually like gave me energy and got me to enjoy my time back. So even though that might be something I can outsource, again, it's like I don't want to. Like that is critical to like my happiness and well-being when it comes to time. So this, I want to I want to pick this apart because this is something that mentally I've been challenged with myself. Right. So I know that like pre-cooked meals and just like reheating them, like buying meals, just throw them in the microwave and eat them and all those kind of things are great. My wife loves cooking, and I'm like just reheat the thing you're going to get more time and she's like to do what (laughs) 
like it's over. Like when you're looking at that, can, can we go there? Yeah. And right, so, so let's was, just work with this, this right? So let's pretend you guys order meals for everything. You get meals delivery, but it makes Hazel miserable and depressed. And every time it's, she eats a meal, she's like, "I could do this better." Literally, the words out of her mouth. Yes. <laughs> Is she going to make your life harder on an output of that? Well, but it comes to to your exact point of like. I enjoy this thing. It logically does not make financial sense. Like getting someone else to cook the food and reheat the food is the best use of money in order for us to get time back. However, it actually takes away something she enjoys. And so I'm like, how for you when you're thinking about this going, well, I like cooking, but that takes a lot of time to clean it up and do all those kind of things. Like where do you find it? Is it enjoyment surpasses time in that scenario? All right, you ready for this? I'm down. Good. Let's go deep because I've been again been working on this quite a bit in more recent times. I found when I manage my energy and happiness, right? They're actually critical drivers in me seeing success. All right. So I'll put it this way: Let's say I'm cooking dinner and it makes me happier. It turns out that my personal life goes better and smoother, and I actually gain time in that area or I'm rocking up to business in a better state and meetings go better and are more effective. So the knock-on effect is that I actually, by managing time through uh, energy and happiness, are getting more of the results I want where you would think that grinding it out would get those results. So a really, really interesting byproduct of approaching time management in this way is like counterintuitive. So I'll give you an example. You and I played golf on Monday. We had a lot of fun playing golf on Monday. Now, straight up, that's Monday, Grant. That's a business day. Shouldn't we be grinding and hustling if we want to make more money? Society says we should, Charlie. Yeah, but on I, we played golf. I had a lot of fun. I was happier, right? So then in the afternoon, I you know, was replying to emails, jumped on a Zoom, and I closed a deal because my state was great. Yep. So what if injecting more energy management and, and happiness management came into your time management thing where you got on that sales call and like you'd lit it up yeah. because you were in a great place. Or do you know what? That partnership you were working on, you you did it in a better way. Or the podcast you do. Can you imagine this? If we were grinding all the time and trying to do this podcast and we're miserable. So imagine every night Hazel's picking on you about food because you're making her eat terribly <laughs> prepackaged meals and you're like, dude, man, she's been she's been nagging at me just continually about food. Like you would just turn into this bitching and moaning machine on the podcast. Like it's inevitable. Totally. So state and happiness become there. So if I'm a better person for taking – and, you know, I must admit I am getting more efficient in the kitchen. It's not as long as it used to be. But if I'm going to take 30 minutes every day to cook a meal and that makes me a happier and better person, how is it not having a knock-on effect where – the rest of my life is more enjoyable. I achieve my goals better. I feel better and happier. My health's better. Like how does that knock-on effect not exist? And that's uh, this is why I asked the question because like going back to the EA example that I was referring to, like Hazel's response was she actually enjoys looking for hotels. She's like, I enjoy finding the hotel with a view. And like she's like, I want to be close to restaurants that I didn't know existed. She's like, I want to do the research. I want to, I want to do the thing. And um, she's like, this is, this is not an infinite game of efficiency grant. This, there is enjoyment along this. And then you with cooking and I'm like, well, that's, if you're pushing just to buy all your time back, well, you just outsource all those things and get other people to do them. But there is this fine line of, well, now you're trying to outsource the things that you enjoy, which actually gets you to rock up and do the things as opposed to just eating glass all day, every day, and everyone else gets to do the things that you actually want to do. 
take some counterintuitive thinking. So it's not it a, really it's does. Not a perfect equation. It's not an <laughs> infinite game of buying back all your time, but it's a conscious decision. Yeah, and I think this is where like maybe the uh, starting point for a lot of people is doing a bit of an audit and going through like you know what pays well, what gives me energy, and then like what brings me happiness. Right, really looking at those things because the reality is if, if everything that gives you energy and brings you happiness doesn't make you any money, ultimately you're going to end up in a pretty poor place. Totally. Right? There's got to be a financial gain from that. I would also make the argument though that if you're selective in business model and what you do, you're very likely to find things that pay you well and give you energy. Yep. Right, They do exist. So if you don't have a business you completely hate, that probably helps. Yep. Um and then constructing a good routine, which gets you into a great state where you can be incredibly productive. So things that uh, take an hour, take an hour. It's not like you're dragging it out and becoming ineffective in the hours you use. Yeah. The, the amount of times I've been in a thinking time, and I'm like, I just want to progress this. And I just push it out. I was like, yes, thank gosh, this is awesome. Have you been challenged by this though? As you go through uh, business and uh, life in general, right, you, you level up and new things come at you. So most notably, I would say like kids has been one that I've really noticed is like the time you want to put into your children will have that be a bigger priority and it puts a squeeze on the other areas of your life. Potentially, it depends how good you are with your time. How have you gone with the idea that you have to let go of things that were effective in one season to be able to take on new things in the next? I always say, I always say to the team, right, so they'll be doing something and part of me is like, I actually enjoy, you know, the thing that I miss the most when it comes to business, Charlie, doing that thing, like smashing out that spreadsheet and sitting back and looking at it going, I did that, Charlie. You like, totally would. I'm like, you, you totally, totally would. You know, when like you, you build something, like you build a Lego like castle with a kid and you're like, oh man, look at the creation I have made. And you get that sense of satisfaction. But the further I get on in business, Charlie, the further away I get from those things. <laughs> it's almost like you know, I miss sales calls. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> but yeah, and so this is, but it's the season, right? And it's like I really enjoy doing those things, like a massive project that goes for six months, and you look back and you go, "Oh, that's awesome!" I don't get that anymore. <laughs> the team gets that, and so it just comes to the season of me going. Well, my previous time, like it would be all about how do I push the team, how do I progress the team. What does success look like? How do I communicate all those kind of things? And now it's more, okay, well, how do I free up more of my time? Because if I can come up with one, two, three, four good ideas in a week or find the problems that people don't know exist in the businesses, that's going to unlock everything for everybody. And going, well, how do you prioritize for that season versus a season of like hard execution for everything that you've got? And so it's more been an awareness piece because I couldn't, I couldn't imagine what my day would the carnage I would create for my team if I was still trying to execute and not do the thing that I actually needed to do because the team would be like, get away from here. Like that's not what your job is. And then the business wouldn't actually progress to where it needs to push to. And so I think this is where business owners need to understand like the, where you are at in your season should determine the approach that you are taking to time management. And if you don't reassess how you approach your morning routines, how you approach your managing your time and the things that you actually prioritize and do with your energy, you're going to actually be the one thing that stopped your business growing, which is why it's called a glass ceiling because you won't even know. You're like, but this is what made this is what made me successful to here, Charlie. And you're like, yeah, but it ain't going to get you there. 
you need to change and reiterate yourself to it. Great book, by the way. What mm-hmm. got you to uh, what got you to here won't get you to there. I have looked back on myself and realized that the whole equation of money has really like messed up time management for me as well. So let's use an example. Let's say a business owner has gotten to a certain level and maybe they're making uh, 100 grand a year, but their calendar is loaded with sales calls. And I'm using this as the example because, well, it was me. Uh, And two is I think it's very easy to understand. Now to go to the next level, what they know they need to hire a sales rep and then they need to go do more productive things. Like it's obvious. Yep. But in order to do that, what's actually going to happen is their profit's going to go down because suddenly they're paying this sales guy's commissions. Maybe he doesn't close or sell as well as you do. Um, you're going to manage him as well. You're going to spend time managing the salesperson. <clears throat> so that guy who was making 100 grand a year goes down to making like 50 grand a year. And they just can't handle it. Yep. The idea of that profit would go backwards before it goes up. It's like they just don't deal with it. So what they want to see is they want to see this idea of like I'm making 100 grand a year, I'm going to hire this salesperson and then instantly I make 110 grand a year and it's going to improve. Yep. So they see this in their mind like that's what they can con- they cope with uh, conceptually, like they can't take the investment cycle. And I think that holds business owners back in a huge way and held myself back in a huge way when I look back on it as well. Because if you are going to level up the way you manage your time and start being more effective with your time, inevitably income will be affected by that. Always. Inevitably. Now, you might be in a position where there's things you can get rid of where it's like, okay, well, I'm spending time on this. I can just get rid of it and do more of the tasks that pay well, and your income might go straight up. But in many circumstances, if you're trying to level up from being like a technician or someone doing things in your business to being like full business owner role, then – inevitably profitability will be affected and that is one of the things that can hold people back from making that jump. It takes a very mature person to self-identify that. Any Every time that that has happened to you, like in your example of when you were doing like sales and need, knowing that you needed to put a salesperson on and sort of move beyond it, what was the trigger that made you aware that you were actually the one getting in, in the way? Yeah, you ready for this? So what I would do is hire the person and then try and make more sales <clears throat> and do all the extra stuff. I just so load like, yourself up. <laughs> yeah, and which would lead to me being ineffective at the thing at the next level. So in this case here, let's just pretend the idea was that, all right, I'm going to go work on partnerships and joint ventures. Clearly more effective. Yep. If I do one joint venture well, that could be the same as doing like all the sales calls for the month. Completely. So there's no lineation of like how important that is. But what would happen is I would try and do all the sales calls still and the joint venture. So the way I would learn this lesson is by doing a terrible job at the higher value things and eventually I'd just like hit a snap point. Yeah, that's so good. Have you ever done an audit of your calendar to see where you were prioritizing your time? I've never retrospectively looked at my calendar and gone through and gone, all right, this is what's um, like long-term. Like I've never gone back a year and said, oh, look, this is how I'm using my time. But I will say I have absolutely gone and gone, well, what does the calendar need to look like for me to achieve my goals? So I um, so I put basically all my tasks that I'm going to do within a day and I just try and time block it on my calendar. <laughs> and every now and again I look back and just get so disappointed with myself. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like there were tasks that I was doing that was like I could have just not done or got someone else to do and things like that. And I was just, it was this, it was this point of 
that made me more aware that I was hitting a glass ceiling when I got the time in it. And it was all through thinking time when I looked back at my calendar and I'm just like, Grant, you need to level yourself up. <laughs> and that was the way that I've constantly sort of found that I was not doing the most important things. It's interesting that both of us have uh, alluded to the idea that good time management starts with good calendar management. Was it show me, show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities? <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. So I'll share more into the point I just mentioned there is like at times I'm like, what does the routine need to look like to achieve the goal I need to achieve? And I've, I've taken this straight from bodybuilding, right? Yeah. It's like if you're a bodybuilder and you want to put on 10 kilos, there's literally a weekly routine you can follow. Eat this, lift this, you put it in, you do it, you get the result, right? So I've, I've taken that approach with business where it's like if I want a certain result for my business, this is what the routine needs to look like yeah. and then I've gone about arranging that. Um, so that's a how I've constructed my weeks around that. Simple in ideation Hard to do, really hard to do when you've got existing priorities and things uh, around it. Do you do the same? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> A lot. Yes, totally. Uh, even to the point, <clears throat> and it's funny, I asked this of a friend of mine who's worth a, a lot of money. And he's like, Grant, you, you are such. You always ask the most specific questions, and it stresses me out because I don't have a good answer. Because I was trying to figure out what his calendar looked like and like how he prioritized his time. And you you know this gentleman, uh, he invests heavily in space exploration. And yeah, and I'm like, so my question to him was like, what does your calendar look like? Like, what do you prioritize in the mornings? Like, what what is the thing that you do? And he's like, man, you ask such specific questions. And he, I just haven't got an answer out of him yet. Because that's where I'm like trying to level up to. Because I'm like, what do those calendars look like? What are they doing in the mornings? What are they thinking through? Because I'm What like, if one of the most powerful things you could possibly do is find someone who has the result you want in your life and get a copy of their calendar? Totally. Exactly. It's just, And I just want to see, like, is it does he spend six hours a day on his partnerships? Does he spend six hours a day just researching, reading, thinking, doing like a Warren Buffett? I'm like, I don't know what he's doing. But, yeah, I just because I think that that would show me. Just a Have you noticed a distinction in successful people that there seems to be a large amount of thinking time or reading or the, the, or free time, whatever you want to call it, but they prioritize sharpening the axe in a bigger way? <clears throat> so I've I've seen – oh, my gosh. All right. I'm on my soapbox. So this is I'm – try, I'm trying to round out this episode. You better not stay out there too long. <laughs> Those are the, this is the thing. If you think about it, I make more money now than I have before and I'm happy to call that out and I do more thinking time and more strategy approaching than I've ever done before. And I look at a lot of business owners now that are hustling and grinding and the, the spare time that they have, they consume something, scroll social media, consume YouTube, do something in order to like build up some dopamine or sort of let their brain rest, right? And I'm like, if you reprioritized and started thinking about stuff, and going, what is going to actually move the needle from here to there? That's going to be the biggest change. And so as business owners get greater and earn more money, the ones who prioritize thinking over dopamine fixes or over downtime and things like that are the ones that change and improve significantly. And I've seen it time and time again. Oh my, the ones that are happy just to sit down and think about their problems as opposed to, I don't want to face problems, so I just want to fill the void with consumption. <laughs> and I'm like... It was, it's been this massive epiphany that I just keep seeing happen over and over again recently. I'm off my soapbox. Cool. I'm going to finish up this episode on that point. <laughs> what a great point, Grant. 
<laughs> awesome. I just want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do want to join the newsletter, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and engage with us. Reply to the emails, ask questions, do whatever you need to do. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.